tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check... Game 1 of NBA Finals is in the books, folks. Denver draws first blood, as many expected. Adam Silver did his uh, beginning of the series presser like he always does, and this time it wasn't about the series at all. There was an ominous message for John Morant. Eric Lewis, the referee, will not be refereeing the finals for the first time in a long time for maybe the most ridiculous reason you've ever heard. It's incredible, actually. Plus, we have coaching and GM updates from Detroit, Washington, and New York. We even give you an update on the Lakers and the Mavs. You should get charged double for this episode. It's so loaded like a baked potato, baby. Come on, let's get into it, Nick. Drop that motherfucking beat that should be Rihanna. So as a lot of people predicted, the Denver Nuggets uh, beat down the Heat. They gave them a good old curb stomp in game one. You could say the little bit of it is a hangover from the long series that the Heat had against Boston where they let that sweep slip away. You could say it was that insane, difficult to breathe altitude in Mile High City. You could even say that the Heat were just got off from three and that was the reason. Probably all three have a bit of truth to them, really. Um, But the reality of the situation is, for at least tonight, Denver was just better. They were just much, much better than Miami. Um, Because, by the way, they're a better team. Uh, They have better players. Uh, They have a better star. They have a better second star. Uh, They are the superior team. What do we like about Miami? Uh, They're cockroaches. That's what we like about them. And you know what happens with a cockroach? Blow up the home that the cockroach is in and see what still lives. The cockroach. That's the only narrative we have really to go off of. Score, 104-93. Was never really that close. Caleb Martin was atrocious. Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, all together shot an astounding 2 for 23 from the field. Yup. You heard that right. Three of Miami's snipers from three. 
uh, shot the ball 23 times. They came away with um, checks notes. Six points total. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> That's really bad. Uh, the Nuggets held Jimmy Butler to – he was not Hemi. He was more like uh, – I don't know. I mean, he was more like forgive me like because you forgot about him. He had 13 points. Uh, the Heat will not beat anyone if their four snipers shoot a combined eight for 37. That is 21.6% from the field. 19 total points for a quartet that averaged 67 points per game in the Celtics series. Uh, the only player on the entire team with a positive plus minus is a shocking, shocking Kyle Lowry at a plus two, which, let me be honest with you, didn't see that coming. Uh, but really... It was really just all about the Denver Nuggets and what they did right. You know, their starters, they scored 90 points compared to Miami 61. They played all a minimum of 36 minutes. The only player uh, on the starting five that didn't score in double figures uh, was Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. Jokic pretty much was able to do whatever he wanted, dimed everybody up like he was selling rock in Inglewood in Snowfall. Uh, 27, 14, and 10. He could add 40 20 and 20, honestly. Jokic can score whenever he wants against Bam Adebayo. Murray, 26, along with 10 assists. He was incredible. They looked like the team that everybody billed them as. They nullified much of what Miami does really well while managing to be exactly what they were supposed to be and their identity of the team was on offense. It was uh, really fun to watch if you're a hardcore basketball fan. It was really fun to watch if you're a Denver Nugget fan. And if you're anyone else, probably was horrible, actually. Uh, specifically if you're a Miami Heat fan. I'm sure Dan Lebetard and them boys are shaking in their boots. The thing, though, about this win, the Nuggets just really didn't do anything extraordinary. They didn't need a 50-point game from Jamal Murray or Jokic. I'm sure Jokic, though, could have given... Uh, them 50 at any point in time in the fourth quarter he decided oh I want to score now and he just made everything um they played their starting five pretty much the entire game and they said listen uh see if you can beat our starters and they could not not in the first quarter not in the second quarter not in the third quarter the only time Miami got traction was when the starters for the Nuggets were not on the floor uh when it was uh, our man Christian Brown uh and Jeff Green getting minutes so now the Heat are they're facing a deficit for the first time in this playoffs. I think even they might have potentially expected this. We have no Jimmy Butler press conference footage, but I'm sure he's going to say they remain confident. And to be fair, if Miami comes out and they compete well in game two, I think that's a big victory for them to split it in Denver or even just compete in game two. Spolster is going to counter. We know that. The question is, can you attack the Denver Nuggets and make your offense the primary thing that they need to counter. Are the Nuggets going to go with their starting five nearly the whole game once again? Are we going to see Miami shoot some fucking threes? What is Michael Malone, a.k.a. Mike Malone, going to cook up? What a fun start to the finals. It is almost midnight, and I am still juiced, so ready for game two, which comes Sunday. Let's move forward, though. Somber news from Adam Silver uh, in front of the NBA Finals Game 1. So as you know, Adam Silver takes the podium before the finals every year. Takes the mic just before the NBA's most important event. Uh, and he gives a speech 
on, uh, you guessed it, John Morant. And let's just be honest. When I watched it, I did not come away thinking, well, that's good news for Jaw. <laughs> like, I came away thinking, oh, fuck. Um, it had the tone of the conversation in Adam Silver's pause and uh, cadence and just the entire tenor of the vibe, we'll call it vibe check, bad. Um, had all the gravity of a president in a sci-fi movie standing up in front of the American people and saying, uh, we got ourselves, uh, unfortunately, we have miscalculated and we have an alien invasion. That's what it felt like, folks. He looked, he looked so sad to be announcing this news. He looked even almost menacing, like he was about to hand down two years of suspension, like a Mormon father who catches his daughter sneaking into the house drunk at 4 a.m. That, the short of it really, as I call him now, Darth Silver, uh, he basically said that we were investigating Jaw, as we do, and, uh, and we found some shit. And uh, we're not going to tell you what that shit is right now to, out of respect for uh, our premiere event, the NBA Finals. Uh, and honestly, he's already indefinitely suspended, so it's not going to change much. I was like, holy shit. He said he's already indefinitely suspended. Here, if you don't want to believe me, I've got, obviously, uh, receipts. In terms of the timing, um, we've uncovered a fair amount of additional information, I think since I was still asked about the situation. I would say we probably could have brought it to a head now, but we made the decision, and I, and I believe the Players Association agrees with us, that it would be unfair to these players and these teams um, in the middle of this series to announce the results of that investigation. And given that we're, of course, in the offseason, he has now been suspended. Um, by his, by the Memphis Grizzlies indefinitely, and so nothing is, would have changed anyway. Nothing would have changed anyway doesn't mean he's been emancipated. Obviously, if nothing would have changed, he's probably about to be suspended, folks. Adam Silver looks like he's presiding over a wake. He has all the demeanor of a doctor telling a young, seemingly healthy 27-year-old that he has terminal cancer. Uh, it was rough. It was bad, bad. Jaw is going to get suspended, suspended, like, ooh, like Gilbert Arena suspended. I don't even know, man. Maybe it's the entire season. Stay tuned because shit's about to hit the fan in the T. Morant, Jaw Morant household. We might be losing one of the biggest stars, uh, a player who now everyone is wearing his shoes for a half a season minimum, maybe the whole damn year. Wow. Bad for business. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you follow my ref reports on social media, then you know the name Eric Lewis. If you don't know the name Eric Lewis, you probably don't care about the NBA because he is no stranger to the ref reports. He's one of the NBA's most respected refs. Uh, For the first time in ages now, Lewis will not be working the NBA Finals. And the reason is not because he's missing calls. It's not because the body of work is so bad. He is being told, host it down, um, because he got caught with a burner account on Twitter. Let me just say that again. Um, One of the most respected refs in the NBA is not roughing the premier event of said league because he has a burner account on Twitter and is spending all hours of the day defending his brethren and him on social fucking media. Yes, he seemed, if you look at the uh, the receipts there, he seemed, if it's him, to be spending all of his free time defending his calls against angry fans, which if you follow NBA Twitter at all, you know that's probably like 78% of NBA Twitter. Uh, so it was probably like a second full-time job for Mr. Lewis. Uh, the truth, though, from what I can see, is that there really wasn't a lot of stuff in there that you can get mad about. Just him and his little burner account and his Twitter fingers defending himself and other refs so why is this a big deal I mean it's kind of a big deal because Adam Silver knows that you don't want to mess around with the perceived propriety the reputational integrity of NBA refs why um because it's already been damaged there was a guy and he like took money and he changed calls his name was Tim Donahue and there was a whole documentary about him and you don't want to have a controversy especially a controversy cloaked in secrecy like secret burner accounts because it makes other fans wonder what other refs are using burners if they're using burners are they coming after players with those burners like Fred Van Fleet who criticized those refs by name and does that translate into ref retaliation Are we going to get a full-scale KGB versus the CIA ref versus player interaction here? Are we going to get some espionage? That's a can of worms that the NBA just can't have. That is not one open. According to my guy, Mike Bass, he's longtime NBA spokesperson, head of communications, regarding Eric Lewis and the social media posts, we are continuing to review the matter, and he will not be working the finals. Shit. He, you are not going to be seeing Eric Lewis this year. Uh, maybe never in the finals again. All because he couldn't stand being criticized on social media. NBA refs. They also put on their pants one at a time. NBA refs. They also defend themselves on Twitter. They're just like us. Uh, let's move forward. I almost opened this segment by saying, uh, now that the Lakers have been safely eliminated from the playoffs, but I thought that would be... I thought that would be a little rude. I thought that might be piling on a little bit. Um, 
even though I can't stand them, as you know. The Lakers, if you remember, were swept. Uh, they, they, they took no games from the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. They, as if they did not win one game uh, at all. But really, ESPN now has stopped its week-long freakout over whether LeBron James is going to retire. So I did want to take a quick moment to survey how things are going in, in purple and gold Lakerland because um, the purple and gold kingdom is, is having some trouble. Mostly because they're a victim of their own success. What do I mean? Rob Palinka. I've said some mean things about Rob Palinka. I'm not going to lie. Some of it's warranted. Most of it's warranted. But he also made a ton of great moves. Let's be real. What he did to get rid of Russell Westbrook at the trade deadline was nothing short of David Copperfield. Two guys that he ended up picking up at the deadline. Incredible. Rui Hachimura. But then... Picked up as an undrafted uh, free agent two years ago, Austin Reeves. And now that they've played really well down the stretch, now that they played really well in the playoffs, it just might cripple the Lakers franchise to the point where they're deep into the luxury tax, which Jane Buss does not want to be. And, like, truthfully, they're, they're kind of having a hard time keeping them for the long term. Let's start with Rui Hachimura. He was jettisoned, largely given up on. I think he actually asked for a trade out of Washington, but he looked really good for the Lakers, like really, really good. Lakers insider Jovan Buha noted that the Lakers have stated on multiple occasions that they are going to match any offer for Rui Hachimura. Since he already turned down $15 million from the Wizards, the market for Rui is rumored to be in the 15 to $18 million range, but could go up to $20 million per year. That's Anthony Simons' money. Anything over 15 is a problem for L.A. So this is what Buha wrote. I think where it gets a little dicey is if there's a team that sells themselves on Rui and offers three years, 60 million, or four years, 80 million. The impact, though, of having to overpay for Rui has ripple effects, and it 100% impacts how the Lakers deal with, what do they call him, the, the Arkansas bird or whatever they call him, the Nashville I don't know. Well, no one has played themselves into a bigger contract than Austin Reeves, as you know. He's from Arkansas, as I just said. He's become a real two-way threat this past season. And the Lakers' problem with Reeves is that you have an undrafted rookie. They signed him to a two-year, $2.5 million contract. But unlike second-round draft picks, he became a free agent after two years because they were stupid doo-doo dumb about how they negotiated. And the bigger problem now is that the Lakers have his bird rights and they can technically match any offer for Reeves. But let's be real, they can only offer him four years, $52 million. As Mark Stein and others believe, there's going to be multiple offers for Reeves as high as $20 million again for him. Again, another problem for the purple and gold. So here's what could happen. A team like San Antonio could offer Austin Reeves four years, $80 million. Certainly plausible. The Spurs would be on the hook for $20 million per year. But if the Lakers choose to match, there's all kinds of ramifications here. The Lakers will get Reeves in his first two years of his extension of $11.4 million and $12.2 million. But then, here's where it gets interesting. The final two years become a bomb on their cap sheet, and Reeves will make more than $27 million per season after that. This is what the folks in the biz call a poison pill. 
for a reason. Michael Scotto notes Orlando, Houston, and San Antonio will all have their eyes on Reeves in the offseason, and others may be watching and waiting as well. So to recap, uh, the Lakers are in a precarious situation with Rui and Reeves, the cornerstones of the depth that Braun and Anthony Davis need. Let's be real, it will cost them dearly in the first two years, probably around $30 million per year, and could balloon to $50 million a year for both of them in the final two years of their contract, which will, again, make it very difficult for the Lakers to do the things that the Lakers need to do to compete. But hey, Braun will be retired by then, right? It's only two years away. Well, they still also have to find a point guard. Now rumors are that they're either going to have to sign D'Lo in a sign-and-trade or try to get him to take a team-friendly deal, which, let me be honest with you, uh, our guy was sitting on the bench getting uh, straight no minutes in crucial playing time. And so do you think he's going to want to be team-friendly to the team? Uh, No. I sincerely doubt that D'Lo is going to sign any deal that is not worth his market, even for the team that treated him so well, a.k.a. drafting him and then jettisoning him out of town the first time, which leaves the point guard option as Fred Van Fleet, who they will not be able to afford and who just signed with Clutch Sports. Clutch has used the Lakers like a piggy bank for a long time, so we'll see how that goes. So don't expect to be Fred Van Fleet to be giving the Lakers a discount either. The Lakers are at a precarious crossroads. A lot of it has to do with them being victims of their own success and just mismanaging the rock- roster. Funny how Rob Palinka might lose again now for winning. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, Five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. All right, well, we haven't heard much out of Dallas since they tanked. Um, They blew the season up in the final week of a very successful effort to keep the number 10 pick in the upcoming draft. Congratulations, you did your job. You understood the assignment. Uh, Last week, though, Eric Pincus of Bleacher Report reported uh, that the Mavericks and Kyrie Irving have some sort of handshake deal before the trade with the Brooklyn Nets took place and that Kyrie wouldn't have said yes to the trade without this handshake deal to anything less than the max. Turns out that was a bullshit report. Uh, There is no handshake deal, according to Michael Scotto. Not to say, this is what he said, not to say that he won't be back in Dallas. They certainly have all the motivation to keep him after trading for him. They have the financial resources to make him the best offer available. Uh, But nothing is done as of yet. The question is, where will Kyrie Irving go? What is Kyrie Irving worth? Will LeBron get his way? Kyrie Irving is probably going to have to take a team-friendly deal in order to get his ass to the purple and gold. The question is whether Rob Palenka wants to make it so. The Mavs would be insane to give him a super max over like a long period of time. I'm sure the years are going to be the big sticking point. Who wants to saddle themselves to Kyrie Irving for four years? I don't even know what he's going to do in the next four months, let alone like 
an entire presidential cycle. Can't imagine they'll be having to outbid anyone on a long-term contract. As always, no one knows what the fuck is going on, not even Kyrie Irving. Um, let's move on. We got to do a little housekeeping. We got to update you on a couple of important moves uh, in the NBA front office market. Uh, the first is a bit of a shocker, I think. Not if you're a Knicks fan, but probably if just you're a casual NBA fan. The New York Knicks are now looking for a new GM. Scott Perry uh, did not have his contract renewed, which means there's going to be some major changes going on in the Knicks organization. Ooh, is Masai Ujiri going to be the Knicks GM? He's been rumored for that gig for a long time. Moving forward, moving forward, moving forward. Stay on task. Perry joined the Knicks in 2017. And... Like, that team was really bad. Let's, let's be honest. That fucking team was atrocious. How bad? When he took over the Knicks, Ennis Cantor, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, um, Enos Freedom uh, was the highest paid player on the roster at $21 million per year. And Ramon Sessions, it's a real name. That's not a creative player name, was the starting point guard for the team. They also had Joakim Noah, Tim Hardaway, and Courtney Lee for a combined $46 million on the books. It was a train wreck. It was horrible. Today, of course, we know that the Knicks are much better off than they were when he got there. So, although his tenure as the GM saw the Knicks go 192 and 274, it's hard to call it exactly a failure. They are they lost a hard-fought second-round series against um, the Miami Heat, who are now in the finals. They have a bright future. But let's be real. Some of this success is due to worldwide West. And our man, Leon Rose. What did our man, Scott Perry, do? What was his track record? What kind of decision-making quality did he have? He made some awful moves, to be honest. He signed Evan DNP Fournier for four years, $73 million. That's probably the most egregious thing he did. Evan Fournier was supposed to come in and replace Reggie Bullock, who was also not very good, to be their three-point sniper. And what did he do? Uh, He became unplayable. He became a guy who really is there to take up space on the bench and make 20-something million dollars per year. A deal that nobody thought was a good deal then, and nobody thinks is a good deal today. Uh, He's also not a great drafter, our man Scott Perry, trading away a lot of the capital in 2021 and 2022, coming out with one decent player in Quentin Grimes out of four draft picks. He also, as you might know, remember drafting uh, in 2018 Kevin Knox at nine when um, <clears throat> Mikhail Bridges went 10. You know Mikhail Bridges. He's the guy that is untradeable for the Brooklyn Nets, that, uh, the team that turned down four first-round picks from the Memphis Grizzlies uh, to take him off their hands. So, yeah, I'd say that's a miss, a huge miss. He also took R.J. Barrett at three when Darius Garland went five. Scott Perry was a holdover from the previous administration. The Knicks are now 100% Leon Rose's team, so that means that Scott Perry, you're just lucky your ass didn't get fired before your contract was up. He will hire a GM before the draft, but let's be real. It's probably not going to matter. It's it's all Leon and World Wide West all the time. We're going to finally find out whether New York and Leon and Wes can live up to the hype. A lot of work to be done in, in New York. Um, moving forward, another GM news comes out of Washington because, holy shit, the Washington Wizards made not one but two consecutive smart moves in a row. 
it's I don't I don't know what to say really. I mean it's kind of it's kind of like seeing um like a like a two year old learn how to play chess. Like the baseline of of that is when they just keep put st- like they keep from putting the pieces in their mouth. Like that's the wizards. Like just don't put just don't swallow the rook. You know, just don't put the. I know it's a little horsey, but like don't don't sit on the horsey. Now all of a sudden, this the the, the wizards have like castled on the queen side, putting the opponent in check. Moves in front of moves. Like what the fuck? I'm not ready for this. You had the rook in your mouth last summer. Tommy Shepard was Mr. Rook in the mouth. Now you have one great offseason move with another good offseason move. You hire Clippers GM Michael Winger to head up basketball operations for Monumental. Uh, he will oversee the Wizards and the Mystics. I like Michael Winger. He's a good, he's a good GM. He's a good front office guy. As president, his first order of business, of course, was to hire a GM. Who did he hire? One of the most respected guys in the league, who you may not like very much because he got sullied, his reputation got smathered, slathered up uh, by the Atlanta Hawks. You had multiple folks seeding bad stories about Travis Schlenk, and now it's like he's nobody. He was considered one of the best GMs in the league, almost one GM of the year, when he made those moves to try to surround Trey Young with talent. To me, this is a home run. And I don't care if you think about the DeJounte Murray trade. Travis Schlenk tried to prevent that from happening. That's why he got fired. He was like, no, I'm not paying multiple first-round picks for DeJounte Murray. And they were like, all right, we'll see you later. Um, former president of basketball operations of the Atlantic Hawks. I think he helped build them into a winner. He was very good about um, developing picks into real players. He wanted to trade John Collins. They didn't want him to do that. A lot of it was an issue with the ownership and them wanting to take control when Travis Schlank wanted to take control. Um, there were real reasons that he got fired. Uh, there were two words. Apparently, Trey Young. Trey Young, who murked two coaches and one GM in the past two seasons. It's incredible that the, that the Wizards did this. It's incredible that Ted Leones is a step in aside. Considering their history is filled with one terrible decision-making move after another. Schlenk, of course, has his work cut out for him. He's got a roster that's a mess. A player who's a diva. A new head coach. lot to do. What are you going to do with Kuzma? And Chris Stapps being free agents. One thing is for sure. The adults are in charge. And for the first time in ages, Wizards fans have a reason to be optimistic as long as his first word of business is trading Bradley Beal, if Bradley Beal so makes it so. Let's move him forward. Also, we have a new coaching hire to discuss. After the Bucks hired Adrian Griffin, after the Sixers snapped up Nick Nurse, the Detroit Pistons put their nuts on the table to the tune of six years, $78 million, 78 and a half, really. For who? For Monty Williams. Wow. Monty Williams got the fucking bag, huh? Detroit has pushed all their chips in the middle. The hand that they're going all in on is three card money. Mr. Culture himself. $13 million a year for Monty Williams. That is what freedom gives you. 
Monty Williams was ready to be like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to sit a year out. We'll see how things go. Detroit, it's been nice. We had a nice little chat. I'm good. And they were like, well, how does 80 million sound? And he said, when can I start? He said, when can I start? $13 million is so much money. He couldn't win in a load, with a loaded team in Phoenix. I like him, though. What other choice did they have? He is a culture creator. He is a player's coach. You're going to get young guys who learn to play professional basketball under Monty. It's a really interesting team. They have a lot of athletic talent. They have Cade Cunningham. They have Jaden Ivey. They have Jalen Duren. Uh, they, have, they have James Wiseman. Uh, they have Marvin Bagley Jr., both uh, former number two picks in the draft. They have 10 first-rounders on this team, including five top seven picks. Talent is not the question, kind of like it was in Phoenix when Monty Williams took over, is trying to get the most out of said talent. Uh, the problem, though, for the Pistons is they went from the number one pick in the draft in 2022 to uh, three games worse than the year before. That is called regression. Troy Weaver and company, they knew they needed to see Dwayne K Casey's ass out. That was just not going to work. They saw the writing on the wall. Another trip to the lottery this year, and that would be a disaster. So we need to see, like, 35 wins. We need to see, like, 32. Like Monty Williams, what he did the first year with the, with the Suns. Like, I think they went from 19 wins to 32 wins to 45 wins to 60-something. That's, that's what you need from Monty. Fortunately, he has six years to turn things around. They gave him a long deal, like that Will Hardy money, that Utah Jazz just slowly but surely developed these guys. But Monty turns teams around fast, too. He took Phoenix from the dregs of the league all the way to the NBA Finals in four years, less than four years. The good news for Pistons fans, um, he, didn't, he didn't hire Kevin Ollie. That's start right there. The only direction available, though, is upwards. If anyone can get these guys to buy in, it's money. Will the Pistons be a winning franchise soon? I don't know. Maybe. Will they be in the lottery next year? I don't know. Maybe. Will Monty win in Detroit? I don't know. Maybe. If they give him six years, though, anything's possible. Like Kevin Garnett said, we will see. But it is a fascinating hire. That is all the time that we have on the Heat Check. It is midnight on Friday morning. So, this episode will come out early squirrely. We'll be back Tuesday with an all-new episode as we are now in the midst of the finals. Hopefully, it's not 2-0 by the time we talk next. Check out the feed for past episodes, mini episodes. They drop regularly. We are now coming to the close of the season. Shit moves fast. Please, please do not forget to download. Please do not forget to subscribe and tell your friends. Tell any NBA fan that you have, yo, check out the podcast. This bitch is funny. And follow us on social at This Heat Check and at Tristan Crick on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter.